Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. There's also another big stemming worldview that we get that is that instant gratification or, or service. And I think that we've kind of come to expect that. And that's what I see of the world and, and what I want from the businesses that I'm interacting with. So I can call a car or, or get some food or whatever yeah. else it may be, calling a dog walker. And if if a business can't make it that easy for me, then then they're not going to get my, my business at all. From McKinsey & Company, now a new generation of influencers has come on the scene. Members of Gen Z, loosely people born from 1995 to 2010. They are true digital natives. From earliest youth, they've been exposed to the internet, to social networks, and to mobile systems. That context has produced a hyper-cognitive generation very comfortable with collecting and cross-referencing many sources of information and with integrating virtual and offline experiences. The McKinsey study revealed four core Gen Z behaviors, all anchored in one element. This generation's search for truth. Gen Zers value individual expression and avoid labels. They mobilize themselves for a variety of causes. They believe profoundly in the efficacy of dialogue to solve conflicts and improve the world. Finally, they make decisions and relate to institutions in a highly analytical and pragmatic way. Today's conversation is with Allie Bruntent, CommonSkew's marketing and event coordinator, who actually does a whole lot more than that. You've met Allie if you've attended our events or interacted with us on social. She's an incredibly articulate, if not somewhat reluctant voice for Gen Z, the generation that by 2020 is expected to account for about 40% of all consumers. This is a generation we cannot afford to ignore. And for those who are fatigued by the millennial conversation, hang tight with us, because I think you'll see some fascinating distinctions as we seek to understand what this generation means to our companies and to the customers we serve. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Lee, you, the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew. You might have heard that SKU Camp is sold out. We are looking forward to a full house in Pittsburgh. For those that didn't get a ticket, keep in mind, we have SKUCon registration that will be opening up soon. We've been working feverishly behind the scenes to bring a spectacular event to the community. Also, we started a new series on hiring. You can check out our guide to hiring that we will be releasing in installments on community.commonskew.com. Remember, you can ask us anything. If you have any questions about sales, commissions, where to find new clients, how to grow existing clients, whatever the topic, email me, bobby at commonskew.com, and we'll answer your question here on the program. And this episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. Begin your free trial now at commonskew.com. And now on to my conversation with Allie. Gen Zers value individual expression and avoid labels. We can stop right there, Allie, and just note for the audience that right before we fired up the mics, the first thing you said was you were a bit nervous really just about speaking on behalf of a generation that, first of all, values individual expression and avoids labels. Now here we are trying to avoid (laughs) putting a label while yet trying to understand a generation. Before we even get into that, you and I both value individual expression highly and I just need to say that for our audience. We're going to speak a little bit in generalizations, but we both hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. And I think we've all been a little bit tainted by how much millennials have been put in a box. So we're going to try not right. to do that today, but the, right, there will right. be some generalizations. Right. And the, the fact that we did this with millennials and folks that are listening now, there are many that are fatigued by the millennial conversation. And now we're talking about Gen Z. And yet 
From Adweek, Gen Zers are expected to account, to account for about 40% of all consumers by 2020. So once again, the, one of the similarities is this is yet another generation we cannot afford to ignore. And before we go any further, I also want to speak to this generalization about all the generations. So we have, just to recap, folks know this, but we have five generations in the workforce today. We have traditionalists born before 1946. Now, there are still some of those folks in the workforce today. They own businesses. Maybe they're in succession planning mode, but they're still involved in businesses. We have boomers born between 1946 and 1964. We have Gen X, 1964 to 1981. Millennials, 1982 to 1995. And Gen Z born after 1995, which is this huge generation in terms of just time span. But I, I sort of want to point out two things. Number one, we're trying to understand Gen Z because they're a different generation than us, but we're also trying to respect their individualism as well. But what I really want to highlight is the fact that this generational conversation won't go away because we have five generations in the workforce today. And we are each impacted by the lives and the world that we were born in and grew up in. So let's start with misunderstandings about Gen Z so we can just clear the air. What did it what is it about Gen Z, the conversation about Gen Z that we're getting wrong? Um, well, I think the initial the initial misunderstanding about Gen Z is that we're not even here yet. A lot of people think think Gen oh. Z or Gen Z, because I am in Canada over here, <laughs> that, that Gen Z is not a part of the conversation yet. We keep we keep drilling into millennials and looking at millennials and we just assume that that we can lump them in with those millennials. And I, I really don't think that's the case. We've had quite the different experience. And a lot of people that I've talked to have, have talked about, oh, uh, the Gen Z conversation, I don't need to worry about that because they're still right. all, all 12 years old. And that's that's really not the case. Obviously, we're right. in the workforce and we're starting to contribute right. and, and have yeah. quite a big buying power. So I would say yeah. that is the, big, the biggest misconception is assuming that we're not relevant yet. Yeah. Um, Allie, how old are you for our audience? I am 23. Right. So just barely on the cusp of like millennial Gen okay. Z. I will say from my experience running a distributorship for years, talking with our clients, we had many marketing folks that were getting into client roles that were in purchasing roles at 23, 24, 25, mm -hmm. 20 to 30 years old. So this is, a, you're right to bring this up. This is a relevant conversation now. We can't ignore it anymore. It's amazing to me how many folks in marketing would step into a role where they're responsible for a six-figure budget all of a sudden mm -hmm. for for promotional products. So they're here, they're working, they're in the workforce, they are our clients now. Where are the similarities, the dissimilarities? Although I just said that we shouldn't be lumping them in with millennials, that is a great basis for where to start. I mean, we are only looking at about a 10 to 20 year gap between the two generations. So we often get a rap as a me generation. And I think that's just because we've always had technology and we've always had that way to express ourselves and focus on ourselves. Right. But I think that, that that millennial conversation is a great place to start and kind of kind of jumpstart into the Gen Z. So yeah. definitely paying attention to that technology and the innovation that we have because we've we've always grown up with it yeah. is, is, I think, a stereotype that does ring true to our generation. What do you think is the biggest difference, distinction between millennials and Gen Z? I think that we have a certain sense of efficiency, which I know is such a broad term. So that's kind of a cop-out answer, but efficiency and to that end, our use of technology. So I have mm. never been in a world that hasn't had technology. And I know that isn't the case for a lot of millennials. Right. Um, I've never not had a cell phone. I've never not had access to a computer or the internet. And I think that that 
gives us a unique perspective on, on how we view the world and how we view different situations for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What does Gen Z, we talked about this in the intro a little bit, but what does Gen Z value above all in your estimation? How does this, how does this impact the companies you work for and the brands you choose to support? But first, what is it Gen Z values? I mean, we do value that technology and we, we do value yeah. that efficiency. And when I was personally entering the job market just over a year ago, I didn't want to work for a company that was, that was stiff, that wasn't ready to right. adapt to change, that wasn't willing to accept these new technologies and try it, even if it yeah. may be out of their wheelhouse. So I think that those, those companies that are stagnant or think that they're doing just enough are the companies that aren't going to be able to attract some of those innovative minds that are entering the workforce. Yeah. In working alongside you now on our team, you are fast, intuitive, smart. And oh, you, over here. <laughs> you adapt so quickly. And also, you know, it's funny. I don't think of age differences when we're working, when I'm working with colleagues. And especially you coming in, I didn't think that at all. You quickly establish yourself as someone who is ready, ready to go to work. And, and you brought this, I would say this, because you're native with the technology, you brought this expertise, if you will, into the workforce before you had this experience, so to speak, which I th always kind of th thought was interesting. So immediately you came on the scene and had this gravitas, if you will, toward with your experience. And I think that's just because you are native with technology. That's a random thought. But I, mm -hmm. you know, unlike those of us, my generation, for example, who are adopters of technology, you know, we're, I'm an immigrant to the tech world. Everything I've learned, I've learned, you know, it's not native to me. It's not a country I'm from, but I've learned to adapt and you grew up with it. That's evident, as I just mentioned, as you came on board, your lifestyle is not just tech enhanced. You live there. Mm -hmm. So to get really practical for others, maybe I ask, what's the app you most frequent? Where do you spend most of your time online? Just so folks can get an idea of, of your daily work and life. Mm -hmm. And I think this question is so one of the most difficult ones because it's a little bit dramatic to say that I use an app for everything that I do in the day. As I was kind of going through my daily routine, I realized that I use it for, for literally everything. I wake up and I get my news from, from Twitter, which is an app. Yeah. I, I check what, what the transit system is going to be like today on an app. I get my breakfast delivered through an app. I, it's every single thing that I do, it's integrated into. So it's hard to pick just one, but I usually find that right. the social apps are really big. So everyone obviously knows Instagram, things like this go on constantly throughout the day. And when I get that screen report, it's a little bit scary, but, but <laughs> I'm literally using them constantly. I'll blame some of it on my job, but it's mostly me. <laughs> things like things like transport apps. So like Uber, Lyft, Skip the Dishes, yeah. things that are kind of kind of instant are always ones that I'm constantly on. And then and then things like design. All the Google apps, obviously, we're connected with those in the office, but I'm also using them on yeah. my phone, Canva, video editors, and stuff like that. So those would probably be the three biggest ones, but it's really integrated into my entire day. All right. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Uh-oh. Tell me the last two or three apps that you added to your phone that stayed there and that you were checking out you thought were kind of cool. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to actually go on my phone right now, so I'm not going to be able to lie to you. Yes. Um, yes. So... Oh my gosh. Okay. So my most recent one was Snapseed, which is Google's version of a photo editor. It's a really great one. Okay. So I recently added that. And then my second most recent added one was actually Ticketmaster because there's been a lot of summer concerts I've been looking up as well. So right. honest and real, those were my last two. Okay. Uh, I'll do the same. It's only fair. 
I added a podcasting app. No, actually, it was, it's, I don't even know what it's called. It's got an icon on it, and I've forgotten already, but you can listen to articles from top publications like The New Yorker. It's kind of a podcasting app, but it's more like reading news and magazine articles. That's a very boring. I added Darkroom <laughs> and a couple of photo editing apps, uh, Darkroom and Carbon. I added Postmates. Ooh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it took so long to add Postmates, but I did. There, that's it. Anyways, so... My apps are a bit of a revolving door, so there's never oh, it's there's all the time, right? Ones, but then there's like a whole page of ones that I'm just constantly either deleting and re-adding or deleting and yeah. different versions and right. What's your favorite non-business app besides Instagram? Ooh, whenever I get asked what my favorite social app is, I always like dive into this deep discussion that nobody asked for. But <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Let's back up. Then what? What do you mean by that? Because I mean, I'm, I'm definitely obviously involved with them with each platform all day long. It's, it's part of my position, right. which, which people right. already know, but, and, and for that reason, I, I feel like I have a pretty decent understanding of each of them and what their strengths are. And, and that kind of insight makes me understanding of the fact of why each of them exists, which makes it harder for me to choose one favorite yeah. and kind of discount the other. Good so point. I, I always say Instagram right. is my favorite just because I'm a visual person. So from, from my own right. personal perspective, that one is the most appealing to me. But I understand the need for Facebook and the need for Twitter and Pinterest and LinkedIn and things like that. I understand their, their purpose in the space. So I can't just say yeah. Instagram is the best. These ones are completely useless. Don't use them because there is a time and a place when I want to also post something on LinkedIn, even though I am a Gen Z, we, we're still using it. <laughs> so I can't really discount yeah. any of those apps. How do you think this world that you, that's very native again to you, very natural, how do you think this shapes your worldview? I, I really think that the first thing that I thought of when you, when you posed this question was kind of this big discussion around advertisements and the information that we put in these apps versus the, mm. the price that we pay. And, and obviously when we're, yeah. when we're getting these apps from the app store, the price is usually zero. But I think that Gen Z is a lot less sensitive to that reality, knowing that that we're giving them this information where we're subjecting ourselves to these advertisements to get this experience and get this social network that we love for free. So I, I think that there's also another big stemming worldview that we get that is that instant gratification or, or service. And I think that we've kind of come to expect that. And that's what I see of the world and, and what I want from the businesses that I'm interacting with. So I can call a car or, or get some food or well, whatever yeah. else it may be, calling a dog walker. And if, if a business can't make it that easy for me, then, then they're not going to get my, my business at all. Yeah. And you move on quickly. Mm -hmm, exactly. I would think that technology has ushered you into a flat world and almost unlimited opportunity. So I would think that your perspective is larger because you can see the world more fully than those of us who were born into a very small geographic world. So I was born into a very limited scope. I grew up in a, in a community. It was a small community. I didn't know my world outside of the community except what I processed into in, in some major news networks. And so my world was pretty constricted. So it's obvious, I would think, that you're more worldly wise, more educated about the world, more opportunistic because you have been presented so many options. Is this true? Does this help or hinder your ambition? From a positive perspective, I think that it is a huge helper for ambition. I mean, yeah. you're constantly seeing yeah. all the amazing things that people are able to accomplish and that are getting done in the world almost instantly mm -hmm. in, in the news and, and even from our own peers that could be on the completely opposite side of the earth. So I think in that sense, it's a huge helper for ambition, knowing that 
these things can be accomplished and, and they're being done by everyday people. So why not you? Yeah. But I think with all that opportunity comes an increased expectation. And, and there's kind of a, a double-edged sword with this visibility of knowing that you have to live up to what these other people are doing. And, and it's kind of funny now when you, when you go online every day, there's a new story about some 15 year old that has this lucrative business or that's investing in the stock market and is making millions when that never would have been the case before, because there wasn't that, that transparency between the members of the generation. So I can feel that pressure knowing that those opportunities exist, knowing that it's there, it challenges you, but also it can be maybe fatiguing or exhausting because that could be omnipresent. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me to see how Gen Zen, as you said, will balance that ambition with that very purpose-driven. I always like to say with these conversations about millennials and Gen Gen Z, and you know, I always like to remind everybody we're not talking about aliens. (laughs) These are folks that are just more evolved than the rest of us, and I mean that in the literal sense because you're standing on the shoulders of previous generations. Mm -hmm. Every generation is a departure from the previous generation in a radical sense because they disagreed with something that they they loathed about it, which also shaped and conformed to them. So even if they really disliked the previous generation, they are still standing on the shoulders of that generation, mm-hmm. whether they love, dislike, or whatever. Let's switch back to the companies you choose to work for. Hiring, this is a quote, by the way, from I believe it was Indeed. Hiring should be an exceptional, almost custom candidate experience in an environment that challenges and rewards Gen Z while offering a highly flexible approach to work plus opportunities for training and career development. With this population, the sky's the limit. So there's some, there's a connection there with what we were just talking about in terms of opportunity. I wrote, but my notes says individualized plus opportunity. Those are the two big things that I'm picking up that Gen Z is looking for. Is that true? Yeah. And I think it's funny that, that in that same sentence, you just said challenge and reward, which are two things that you would never expect to come right after one another. I think that Gen Z is so in need of that creative freedom and that ability to flex flex that efficiency and innovation that we know and that we innately have in us. But at the same time, because of those expectations we've had our whole life, we need that reassurance almost constantly. I know it sounds super annoying, but we need to be told that we're doing what's right and what's a good job because we're just constantly innovating and changing the way that things are going. So I I think that that's great that you put the challenge and the reward kind of right next to each other in that quote. Do you think that you need that affirmation because you're moving so fast and doing so many things, you're changing things, you just want to need to make sure you're headed in the right direction because the bottom line is you're going to move and you're going to move quickly and people better keep up and better let me know I'm heading in the right direction because I'm going to switch on Yeah, definitely. I mean, most of the time we're coming in and we're disruptors. So with that disruption, obviously comes a little bit of pushback, but also comes efficiency. So we will... and. And that being yeah. said, we're also entering the workforce as newbies. We're, we're usually entering in, yeah. in lower positions and, and disrupting things that, that people above us would be utilizing. So we want to know that that's okay. We want to know that we're improving rather than hindering the company. It's funny, when I came into this position, I think I adopted four different app technologies, like a new travel app, a new, a new social posting app, all in the span of like, two months <laughs> and I was sending all our employees yeah. like, make sure you create your account on, on this, this new travel app that we're using. And I, <laughs> it's an example like that where it's, I, we need that feedback to know that, that the decisions that we're making, the technologies we're introducing, the innovations that we're trying to instill in the company are, are working and are being effective. Yeah, that's cool. Let's switch a little bit to buyers. You're, you're, you as a consumer, you as a buyer, and talk about influencer marketing, which we know is obviously huge. And with, most notably with Instagram and YouTube, influencer marketing has become a significant marketing force. 
why has this become so important? I mean, it's kind of, some of the reasons are obvious to me. You live with technology. These influencers become, this is, this is actually what a very interesting departure for, I think, previous generations, maybe beyond millennial, but certainly for Gen Xers and boomers. These influencers become a real part of your network and friends, a very influential part of your life. And this is going to sound odd, but even as close as those who are your actual in real life friends and influencers. Would that be true? I think that's exactly right. And I, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I watch way too much YouTube and, and, and follow way too many influencers. But what you're saying is, is exactly true. I feel like it's, it's almost like the reality TV phenomenon that's, that's on steroids. You know, we, we get a glimpse into these yeah. people's lives and we get the opportunity to see something, something that is real to, to whatever sense of the word we want to take that. So I think that Gen Z really has that longing for, for wanting to be a part of something that's real and wanting to know the person behind, behind those videos and behind what we're watching. Are you more trusting of influencers than brands? Even, even when influencers are paid by brands to promote their product, it seems that that's mm-hmm. the case. And I, I, I feel like Gen Z as a whole, and this is another generalization that I'm going to throw out there, but I think we're pretty fed up with traditional media and advertising. And I think that most companies have had to get pretty creative with with how they're getting that message out because we're not just going to sit down and accept a commercial anymore because we're not even watching TV anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, we've grown up in this right. fake news era where where we just want information that we know that we can trust. And influencers kind of give us that singular person that's accountable for the information that they're giving to us. So we can hold on to that and know that if if something ends up going awry, that there's a singular person that we can, that we can go back to. So in most cases, those yeah. influencers are also sharing their lives along with their opinions. And, and I think that that goes a long way with, with creating that trust. You know, what's really interesting about the insight you just shared is that you are distrusting of brands as a voice because a brand or an organization that has a voice has mm-hmm. an agenda. And I know these are broad brush strokes here, but independent voices, singular voices, people that come out from behind the brand curtain and represent as an individual their individual thoughts and feelings and emotions, even though they might represent, represent the brand, it's a more authentic conduit and conversation that you can have and you're more open to. And I, I totally get that. Yeah. I completely get that. In many ways, and in many ways, this is where Gen Z is our child, children of the 60s to some degree because of that, that, that hyper distrust, fake news. If it comes from an entity, there's going to be an agenda. If it comes from an individual, there's going to be an agenda. And a lot of the influencers I watch will be really candid about that. They'll straight up say, I know that my livelihood depends on this channel, this page. And they know that that them making a living depends on people trusting their word. And and I think that Gen Z takes that a lot at face value. Do you have a favorite influencer that's non-business related? That's like consumer products or something? I mean, most of the influencers that I am watching are more lifestyle based. So they'll typically be like daily vloggers or something along those lines. And then they'll kind of integrate different sponsorships into that, that day to day. So I probably watch like a good batch of 10 consistently, I would say there's, it's also interesting to me because I've, I've found in doing an an analysis of, of kind of the top influencers that I'm watching that. It, it's not one specific geographic area. It's not It's not specifically in Toronto or even specifically in Canada that there's a couple I watch in California. There's a couple in the Midwest. There's there's a couple on the coast. And I think that, that kind of having all those different perspectives in kind of a daily vlog, it makes me feel like I'm almost living in each of those different places in, in some way. Yeah. And you subscribe through these, through, 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 uh, through yeah, YouTube? For yeah. These? Most, most of them are, are on YouTube. Yeah. 
something about actually seeing okay. the, the videos in person is, is pretty sweet. By the way, what are some of the brands you respect the most? Do you have, I mean, it's, it's funny. I'm sure if you ask any average Gen Z, any, if you ask anyone Gen Z to come up with their favorite brands, they're going to be stumped. <laughs> it's a little bit like your favorite food. But since I asked that to you formally, did you think of any that? Well, that what mind? I was noticing too is that one of the ways that you described Gen Z at the beginning was was kind of a confrontational attitude, which I think is really funny because I, I think that lends a lot to the brands that we respect, which I know has been kind of taboo in the past. Most brands have been a little bit wary to take stands or or to outright state their yeah. opinions about certain things. But I, I think that that's what Gen Z is really looking for in a lot of brands is something to stand for and taking a side and, and making making that yep. that stance clear. And a lot of those opportunities obviously have come up in the news recently. And and I did actually come up with two, even though it was a little bit last minute. So the first one is an apparel brand. It's called Everlane. I believe it's mostly online, yep. but they might have a few retail stores, but they're a pretty cool retail brand. They focus a lot on sustainability and being conscious of the environment, but also being transparent about that on their site. If you go through some of their different yeah. clothing items, they, they list, it costs this much to to get the fabrics and this much to put it together. And this is where it was put together yeah. and, and kind of shows the breakdown of how they got to the price that they're offering to you. And I think that that's a new way of doing things and a pretty neat way of doing things, even if it may be a little bit yeah. higher than what you're seeing at other brands. So that's a really cool one for I sure. I bought a shirt from Everlane recently. Yeah, and their stuff is ahead. great. So I mean, <laughs> that, that great quality yeah. coupled with also being really transparent and open about their stuff is, is really cool. The other one I yeah. thought of is an app. It's called Bumble which I think is a really cool brand for a different reason because they're kind of shaking up the stereotype of what a dating app is. So a lot of people think dating apps and they immediately go to something like, like Tinder and they, it gets kind of a bad reputation. But Bumble, what they've actually done is integrated three different channels into their app. So they have the traditional dating version of Bumble, but they also have like a friendship Bumble where you can go and find people to go to the movies with or, or someone to go to the park with or something like that. And then they also have a channel that is more of like a networking, connecting different professionals together. So if you are new to the marketing industry, you can go on there and find someone in your city that is also new to the marketing industry or a mentor or something like that, which I think is a really yeah. neat way to kind of smash that stereotype of, of what a dating app is. And they're doing really cool things. So there are now five generations working in the workplace. And we talked about this at the top of the episode. What have you learned from other generations? What do you think are the biggest distinctions between your generations and theirs? But first, what have you learned? I think that this question was difficult because so much of, of what we're talking about is in generalizations. I don't want to kind of peg one generation yeah, for being right. like, you're like this. That's the only thing yeah. I learned from you because I could probably go on and on with the different people that have influenced my life about all the things that they've right. taught me and given me as, as individuals, yeah. but also as their generation. So obviously from, from that end, my parents are Gen X. So from them, I've definitely gotten a sense of hard work. I feel like Gen Xers are, they've known tough times and they've known good times and they're going to work to make those times good. So I, that's always something that I've gotten from them is, is knowing that if I work hard, that there's, there's nothing I can't do. And I think that that yeah. quality kind of lends a lot to Gen Zers being so optimistic and so, so believing in themselves right. in what they do. I would say that millennials, this one is, is so difficult because it's so close to me. <laughs> like I said, I'm right. kind of right on right. that cusp yeah. of being a millennial and also being a Gen Z. It's like I have no real place in the yeah. generationals, the way that they've been laid out. But I really admire millennials for kind of shaking things up. Obviously, in being right in between 
Gen Zs and, and Gen Xers, which are so different, they really were that stepping stone to kind of get us where we are today to create that innovation, to create that openness. And even though they've taken a lot of flack over the years right. for, for being difficult or for being lazy or whatever people want to say about them, I think that we wouldn't be as progressed as we are as a society without the, without the millennials and the things that they've done. Great point. Gen Z seems to be very mission-minded. So they are more inclusive than their predecessors and more concerned about, this is a very bad generalization, but they're, they're natively concerned about the planet and sustainability as a whole, meaning they grew up in the conversation we were having. As opposed to my generation or the millennials, we had to go force this conversation on the world. You grew up in the conversation about the planet and sustainability as a whole. You're more inclusive, as I mentioned. And the one thing I, I probably respect the most is the individuality and individual expression and the very thing that you sense authenticity, singular voices and the influence of individuals and they're living their authentic lives. But that individual expression is something I admire the most. How do we as employers engage with this generation or us as businesses make sure we engage with this generation in terms of selling to or with, and I see selling to, I even hate the term, but working with Gen Z, both clients and employees. How do we connect in a genuine and a not a synthetic I think that's way? such an interesting question. And it's come up a couple of times actually in the last couple of months, which is interesting, at least in my, in my wheelhouse, which has been how to incorporate support for different events or to look like you care or to be caring about something without being disingenuous and without losing the trust of the people that you're that you're close to. Right. And I think that the reason that it's come up recently is because of the world celebrating Pride Month this month. And I think people yeah. well, people want to celebrate Pride, but they don't want to just be like, I'm just going to slap a, a rainbow flag on this because I want to be a part of it. They want to be genuine about it. They want to care. They want to help. And right. I think it goes all the way back to the core values of the company and making the missions that you're going to put your company on for these causes an extension of that. So one example that I was thinking yeah. of was Nike as a disruptor. And I think that that's something that we know of Nike. We know that they're usually doing something different. They're usually doing something that's a little bit out of the box and a little bit disruptive. And that's one of their core values and we know them for it. So that when they go out and they put Colin Kaepernick on one of their posters or they're, or they're taking on the gender fight with Serena Williams, we believe them because we know that that's one of their core values as a company. So I think kind of going all the way back to the basics and establishing those core values is what's going to create that that genuine trust once you take on those those more real-time missions. Yeah, that's so good. Allie, anything you want to chat about? I don't think so. About? I mean, obviously, we've said this like 6,000 times at this point, but the generalization thing is really real. Yeah. And, and it's almost funny to me when we first started brainstorming this conversation about talking about Gen Z and... I mean, you already stated that it started in 1995 and goes to 2010. And it's so funny to me that me being born in 1996 could be grouped into the same group of people that were born in 2010. <laughs> it's, it's wild to me. I mean, those people are nine right. years old. And to think that, that we had any sort right. of the same experiences <laughs> is, is so ridiculous. Obviously, they're living right. completely different experiences and different lives. And, and I think just being conscious of that. In, yeah. in addition to this conversation is really important. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up for one other reason is that I think it's easier for previous generations, say boomers and Xers, for example, to compare generations before them because you could argue that technology had moved. Well, you couldn't argue. This is a fact. Technology had moved incredibly mm -hmm. slow during those generations compared to today. 
So that is so much more true now that technology is moving everything so much faster. So what might have been changes in 10 years can look like changes in two years to five or seven, that, that gap in terms of differences in age. But great point. Ali, thanks for joining us on the SKUcast finally. If a lot of folks don't know, you do a lot of work behind the scenes. And yeah, you, I'm finally, finally going to get to post my own SKUcast where I'm the one talking on it instead of other people. So it's a pretty exciting day. <laughs> Thanks, Allie. Really appreciate it. And thank you for all your hard work. I know the team loves working with you. I love working with you. And you exemplify so much of what we talked about in this episode. And thank you. I just want to know that. It made me blush like probably 14 times this episode. So thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.